Well, good morning. A very warm welcome to you to our service of worship, and it's great to be back with you after our holiday and uh, to see uh, some faces back with us and some new faces and that we haven't seen for a little while, so welcome everyone uh, from me. And uh, as we gather together to worship God, may we all know God's loving presence with us. Our call to worship comes this week from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So let us worship God. And you're welcome to stand for our first hymn, Be Still for the Presence of the Lord, Mission Praise number 50. Grace 
Come now to God in prayer. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, we thank you for your presence here with us and that we may come to worship you for your greatness and goodness. In this time, help us to recognize how great you are and that you are always good and loving towards us. Help us to recognize that whatever is going on around us or in our world, you are our rock and our refuge, an ever-present help in trouble. Loving God, as we come to worship you, give us a greater vision of your glory and a greater understanding of the love you have shown us through Jesus our Lord. Help us to know that you know us and love us with an everlasting love and that you came from heaven to save us from our sins through our Lord Jesus. Grant that we may know your presence with us by your Spirit day by day. And on this day, help us to lay down the burdens we have been carrying and to turn from all we know to be wrong in our lives. Forgive us and cleanse us by the precious blood of Jesus shed for us, and renew us with your life-giving Spirit that we may be lights for you, sharing your love and compassion with those around us and with our world. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, let's see what we've got in our Bible today. I wonder if you can, any clues? Um, just, uh, oh, maybe the, wait till the camera comes on me, or I'll move into the camera. Here we are. Um, so, a, fish, a tail waving out of the Bible to us. Um, I've actually got a fish. Well, it's, um, I should say it's really not real fish, it's a, actually a cushion, but uh, it's, uh, it's quite a big fish. And I don't know if you were listening to the news a couple of weeks back, but um, uh, there was the biggest fish, or rather the biggest codfish uh, ever caught in Scottish waters was caught just a couple of weeks ago by a fisherman just off the coast of Shetland, I believe. And it was... Um, Anyone, any idea how big it was? Or, uh, was it this big or that big? It's probably, well, it's probably about that big, I would think. From I, th I think it was about four, four foot, 1.2 meters, and uh, 22 kilograms. I can't remember the pounds that was, but 22 kilograms. So it's quite a, a, a big fish. 
Well, when Rosie and I were on holiday, um, we were up at one point right up in the north coast near Thurso, and we, um, we went for a walk uh, and along this river just going to the coast, and we saw the biggest fish we'd ever seen in a river. Um, uh, and it was a little bit bigger than this one, you'll have to believe me. But uh, uh, we think it was a trout, but it was very impressive the way it, uh, it came up the river from the, the sea. Well, I'd like to tell you a story today about a fish. It's a fish uh, it involves Jesus and Peter and a fish. Now, um, Peter, as you may know, was a fisherman and he was used to catching fish, but on this occasion, Jesus just asked him to catch the one fish. So I wonder what happened in this story. So it begins with Jesus and his disciples. Uh, they were coming to the, the town of Capernaum on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a man was collecting money for the temple tax, and he asked Peter if Jesus was going to pay his taxes. Peter said yes, but he knew that at that point they didn't have any money with them to pay the tax. So he went to Jesus, and Jesus, before Peter had spoken, Jesus said to him, um, Peter, uh, in every country, who usually pays taxes to the king? Is it his children, or is, is it other people? Well, P Peter answered that it wasn't the king's children, it was uh, other people who paid taxes. And Jesus replied, a king's children do not have to pay taxes. However, we will pay the tax. And then he said to Peter, go to the shore and throw your fishing line out and take the first fish that you catch. Open its mouth and you will find a coin inside its mouth. And that will pay for your tax and for my tax. And that's what Peter did. He, he went fishing and he, he went and he caught the first fish he caught. He opened its mouth and there was a coin. And so he was able to pay the temple tax for Jesus and, and himself. And that was an amazing story of how God can provide for us. He provides for us sometimes in unexpected ways. And I wonder if you can think of maybe an occasion or some occasions where God has provided for you in an unexpected way. Well, I can think of a few examples. I'll just share one um, example. It was uh, a, a friend, uh, actually a friend of Rosie's, who um, was uh, needing some money for travel traveling. Um, she didn't have the money, and so she prayed for it. And each day through this week, um, coming up to the time when she needed to go on this journey, she didn't have the money. And she thought, well, maybe this person will give me it. Maybe that person will give me it. She kept praying, kept reading her Bible each day. And then um, the day before, she still didn't have the money. But on the day that she was due to travel, she opened her Bible and there was a £10 note. And she didn't know how it got there, but God provided for her. That was just enough for her to go on that journey. Well, maybe you've had uh, some unusual provision in your life at some point, but uh, it's just amazing how God can just give us what we need uh, when we need it, and sometimes it's in surprising ways. So let's, uh, let's pray and thank God for his provision for us. Dear God, we thank you that you know exactly what we need each day. Help us to trust that you will give us exactly 
what we need at the right time. Thank you also for the ways that you often surprise us. Thank you for your goodness and love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to have our next hymn, and that's How Great Thou Art, Mission Praise number 506. And again, you're welcome to stand for this hymn.
Testament lesson this morning is to be found in the book of Joel. Joel chapter 2 and reading from verse 28 to verse 32. Joel chapter 2 and at verse 28. And afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. The New Testament lesson is to be found in the Acts of the Apostles, Acts chapter 8, and reading from verse 4 to verse 25. Acts chapter 8, and at verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there, 
that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part to share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Amen. And God will bless to us these readings from his holy word. Let us continue our worship in the singing of Mission Praise number 672, There is a Redeemer.
we come to God's word, let's pray. Loving God, we thank you that we can know you as our loving Heavenly Father, and that you are our God, and that we can come to you and uh, listen to you speaking to us by your word, through the power of your Spirit. And Lord, as we come to your word today, we ask that you would show us more of yourself, of the wonder of Jesus, and for all that you have been doing through your church through the years. But in this uh, book of Acts, we ask, Lord, that you would show us what you want to say to us through it today. And Lord, we just uh, ask that you would help us to lay aside any uh, distractions or any other things that are on our minds, that we would be able to listen clearly to your voice speaking to our hearts and our minds. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. What is the greatest gift that you've been given? We might like to give gifts to people for their birthday or for a special occasion or maybe when we come back from holiday. I'm sure we can all think of different gifts that we've given and been given by others. But what about the greatest gift ever? We might need to think a little bit about that before we answer but then what is the greatest gift God has for us? Well, that's something we're going to look at a little bit today. But first, let's just recall where we got to in the book of Acts a few weeks ago. We were finding out about what happened in Jerusalem after Jesus returned to heaven and God sent the Holy Spirit on the believers at Pentecost. We find out that the church grew dramatically at first, then it continued to grow as the new believers learned more from the apostles, uh, Jesus' closest followers, as they prayed and as they shared together and as they told other people about the new life in Jesus. And as the church grew in even greater numbers, some men were appointed by the apostles to administer the food distribution among the needy. And one of those men was called Stephen, and because uh, God was performing wonders through him, even more people started to believe that Jesus was God's chosen Messiah, the one who had come to save them and give them a new life. Well, this angered the religious establishment who had been responsible for having Jesus crucified by the Romans. And when trying to silence the believers wasn't working, they decided to get rid of Stephen, who was stoned to death by them. And then a great persecution came against the church. Many were arrested and the rest were scattered in the places around, including the region of Samaria. It was only the apostles who remained in Jerusalem, we're told. Well, one of those who was scattered was a man named Philip. Not Philip the apostle, but Philip, who along with Stephen was one of the seven men appointed to administer the food distribution to the needy. And so the rest of Acts chapter eight follows a kind of what happened next in the life of Philip and the people that he shared the good news of Jesus with. And it's quite an amazing story. What we find is that Philip ends up in, the city, in a city in Samaria, 
and revival breaks out. Uh, people hear the message he's sharing about God's uh, sending his son Jesus to be their savior and also how God has given forgiveness through Jesus for their sins and the gift of new life by the Holy Spirit. They also see some amazing things that God is doing through Philip. And they all listen intently to him, paying close attention to what he's saying. Well, the result is that people's lives are transformed. Some are delivered from the oppression of impure spirits. Others who are paralyzed or lame are healed. And we're told that as a result, it brings great joy to the city. So there's really quite a stir in the place. The good news of Jesus is having quite an incredible effect. And at this point, we're introduced to uh, a man called Simon who lived in the city. Simon was a sorcerer, and for some time he'd managed to impress the people with his sorcery, so much that they called him um, the great power of God. However, the power Simon was connecting with wasn't really the great power of God. It was a much lesser power of the devil and unclean spirits. So when Philip turned up filled with God's Holy Spirit, people stopped following Simon because they'd found something infinitely better. They found the love of God in Jesus to change their lives, to set them free from infirmity in their bodies and oppression in their souls. They received new life. Well, news of this spread to the apostles in Jerusalem, and so Peter and John came to assist Philip and minister the fullness of God's blessings to the new believers. For up to this point, it appears that they had not yet received the Holy Spirit as the believers in Jerusalem had. So Peter and John placed their hands on the believers and they received the same gift of the Holy Spirit as the other believers had. Now, we're not told exactly what happened, but we can assume that there must have been some visible or audible sign that showed the presence of the Holy Spirit. It could have been that, as we um, would have read earlier in the book of Acts, that people started praising God with a, a new freedom or were speaking or praising God in other languages or tongues. Whatever happened, Simon really wanted the ability to do what the apostles were doing. And he even offered money to Peter and John saying, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Well, we're told a little earlier that uh, Simon had joined with the believers, had actually been baptized. However, it becomes clear that his conversion uh, still had to penetrate into his heart. For Peter immediately rebukes him for his request. First, for believing that he could buy this gift of God with money, and secondly, for having allowed bitterness and sin to remain in his heart, causing him to think such things. Now, we don't know um, exactly what Peter meant about this bitterness and sin in Simon's heart, um, but we presume uh, that Peter was given insight uh, by God to say, say something about it. But it wouldn't be too much of a stretch of the imagination to think it was due 
to the sudden loss of influence and standing among the people. Simon, after all, had been greatly revered for his sorcery, but now Jesus the Messiah and the presence of God's Spirit was seen to be infinitely more powerful. So his request was probably motivated, at least in part, by his desire to have power and standing in the eyes of the people again, who would be impressed by um, him being able to do what the apostles did. We don't know how much Simon changed after this, though he certainly was stung by Peter's rebuke, and he asked Peter to pray for him. But what we do know is that the good news of Jesus spread even further through Samaria as Peter and John returned to Jerusalem. So what can we learn from this story of Philip and his time in the city in Samaria? Well, one thing that we learn is that God's power and the power of the gospel is greater than any other so-called power. The message about Jesus the Messiah backed up with the signs of God's presence and power was enough to convince the people that the real power of God had arrived. What Simon had was nothing by comparison. And when that change, that switch happened, the people were set free. They were set free from um, the, the things that they'd been believing before. They were set free to believe the truth about Jesus, that he was the one who would give them freedom. However, we should also know that for, for a time, people were deceived by the lesser power of Simon's sorcery. Yet, as we find out, all this power kept people in bondage. They weren't free. Many were oppressed by unclean spirits. Others were suffering from physical ailments. And after all the time that Simon had been around, being the so-called great power in town, nothing had changed. They were still oppressed and sick. There obviously wasn't joy in the city before when there was afterwards, after the message of Jesus came. And so that's a reminder for us also that nothing is really a good substitute for God's loving presence and his power in our lives to make us whole. A whole lot of things can try and deceive us that they are what we need. Sometimes we can be impressed by other things, but only Jesus can give us real life and freedom and joy that lasts. That's because the greatest gift God has for us is far superior to anything else we can receive. For the greatest gift God has for us is the gift of himself. God has given himself to us through his son Jesus, who has become our savior, able to save us from sin and death and all the powers of evil. And as we've been looking at today, God has also given himself to us through the gift of his Holy Spirit, who is given to all who put their faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. As the Spirit was given to the believers in Jerusalem and then to the believers in Samaria, so now the Holy Spirit has been given to all believers in every place. As God promised through the prophet Joel, 
And afterwards, I will pour my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. God wants us to be filled and continue to be filled with his spirit. The spirit who assures us of God's love for us who reminds us when we listen to him that we belong to God, our heavenly father, as a dearly loved child and who enables us to be faithful followers of Jesus, to do the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. So the gift of God's presence with us by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, is really the greatest gift we can have because it is the gift of God himself. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, our Savior, we thank you for the gift of your presence with us by your Spirit, that we can know you and know your love for us and know the power to live for you. We thank you for giving yourself to us so fully in Christ Jesus our Lord that you held nothing back in your love for us, that you entered into our suffering and died in our place so that we might live forever forgiven and free to love and be loved. When we see all that is happening in our world and all the troubles in many places, remind us that your love and power is greater than all the powers of darkness. Help us to look to you with hope and faith in the knowledge that no situation is beyond your ability to bring light and life and freedom through Christ our Lord. Merciful God, we lift up to you the many people caught up in the troubles in Afghanistan. We almost don't know what we should pray because the needs seem overwhelming. So we ask, Lord, for your mercy and deliverance for those in danger and those distressed. We pray for protection and provision for the many refugees and others leaving the country. And we pray for a stay of the violence that threatens so many. Lord, in your mercy, move the hearts of all to seek you and find you. And for those who come to our country, that they would find welcome and safety. God, our healer and comforter, we pray now for those known to us in need. For those who are sick or in pain, we pray for your healing and wholeness. For those who grieve and suffer loss, we pray for your comfort. For those with any other need, we pray for your heavenly provision. And for all on our hearts, we pray for the peace of your loving presence. Everlasting Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us throughout our lives and that your love lasts forever. We remember with thanksgiving those who have shared the faith 
including those dear to us, who now live in your nearer presence. Grant that we may live all of our lives for your glory until the day when we share in the great wedding feast of our Lord Jesus Christ in your eternal kingdom, where your name is forever praised. Amen. We come now to our closing hymn, Be Thou My Vision, Mission Praise, number 51, and you're welcome to stand for the hymn. Thou my best thought 
And now, may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and among you this day and remain with you always. Amen.